Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. So I'm with Chris um, and, his, and his signing announcement today. I wanted to ask about his contract. He's, it said in the press release he signed through the summer with options for the rest of the year and then next year. Uh, could you talk about why that was the option that uh, ended up happening with him? And then maybe a little bit more specific on when the regular contract ends and when the extension would start. Uh, sure. So, you know, it's uh, we brought him in on loan through um, through the summer into the kind of into the secondary window. Uh, so the secondary window opens the first week of July. So um, the the option date on the contract is is in the middle of July. Um, and we you know, we have an option to make the deal permanent from that point. Uh, and so, you know. That's look. That's the structure of it. Yeah, it's 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 much like any other loan deal that we do. You know, in that it's it's a player that we identify that we think is a good fit for our group and and gonna gonna help us. Um, you know, help us win games. And so, you know, of course, there. You know, generally with those loan deals, there is an option to make it permanent or you know an effort to make it permanent. And uh, and so that's you know that's the structure of it. They, part of it is because you know the European season starts shortly after that. So for, for Vossel Beverin, it, it, it made sense for, for July to be the, um, you know, the option time. Yeah. And then, and then this is a second deal this year that's been done through what I like to call the blitzer verse of teams. Um, it, uh, was that something that made this deal go through a lot easier? Um, and talk to us about how, uh, having David Blitzer as the owner helps with these sorts of situations. Yeah, sure. It's um, it, it, certainly in in many ways it, it simplifies the process in that you know we have lines of communication that are easy to to make and and you know it's easy to kind of get to the bottom of you know what players are available, what players aren't available, that type of thing. Um, it's still you know we still have to. It, each of each of the clubs have to do what's in the best interest of the club. Um, so, you know, it still had to be, we still had to work out, you know, an arrangement with Beverin that, you know, a structure that made sense for both parties. Um, but, but certainly it, it simplifies things. All right. Perfect. DJ, uh, we'll go to you next. Trey told us we could ask, we just have to embargo it until the release. So I would like to know, uh, with Savarino, how has his game changed, grown, matured uh, since he left the club? Sure. So, you know, Jefferson obviously was a guy that, you know, was was really impactful, really effective for us for, for a handful of years. Um, and and that's why that's why he made the move to, to Brazil. Um, and and he's only continued to be impactful and and effective in Brazil and, and in many ways more effective and more impactful. You know, I think he has his, his goal involvements are even, even higher there than they were here. Uh, so, you know, I would say his game just overall has, has matured and improved just much like, much like many players at a young age, 
you know, they continue to get more effective in the final third. They continue to understand ways to impact the game um, in, you know, maybe not on the score sheet, but but help help their teams win, uh, which obviously he did down there as well, having won having won multiple championships. So um, I, I think it's just a general evolution of his game. Uh, I don't think his game has changed dramatically. He's a very similar type player to when he left. Um, but, but that's what excites us, frankly. DJ, do you have anything else? There we go. Um, are, uh, are you all out of cap room now? Is this kind of the, uh, the end of the road? Or are you set up for more, ro- more moves down the road? Um, you know, we have there there are a lot of ways to to slice the apple here i guess uh it's there's we have we have the flexibility that we can we can make another move if we need to uh in the summer window but but we've certainly used a lot of our cap space for sure perfect alex uh oh dj do you have anything more no i'm good thank you okay perfect uh alex we'll go on to you next Good afternoon, Elliot. Uh, sorry about your jazz. <laughs> That's all right. They, you know, they were disappointing second half of the year. So, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm curious. I have a question about um, like um, philosophy when it comes to like the organization and, and Paulo. Paulo seems to be very much um, a culture guy. Very cares very much about um, sort of engendering or, or fostering a team culture um, and you know translating that to winning. When when you think about that from an organizational standpoint, from from where you and, and Tony and, and the rest of kind of like the front office sits, how much value do do you guys as a group place on culture, and how do you sort of um, how do you sort of balance that concept with wanting to win games? Like, is one more important than the other? Do do the two work in synchronicity? Like, how do you sort of view that? Uh, look, I don't think it's a balance. I think without without positive culture and without pieces you know if guys aren't bought into what we're trying to do and what Pablo's trying to do we're not going to win so uh, I think that building a positive culture is frankly one of the most important things we can do winning building a winning culture building building a positive environment that is conducive to winning and development and the best interest of the players that's how we're going to be successful so uh, i don't i don't view those as they don't conflict with each other at all so the more positive culture we can build the more we'll win how do you see um how do you see the way that pablo's built the culture of the team how do you see that on a day-to-day basis uh, it's it's a it's very positive. Um, you know, this is something that we've talked about. You know, you've heard me talk about it over the last you know two years. You've heard Tony talk about it. You, you certainly hear Pablo talk about it now. Um, but building an environment and building a locker room that you know is bought in and fights for each other and and wants to do what it takes to win. Uh, you know, that's. That's priority number one, and, uh, and and we continue to prioritize that. We will always prioritize that, and Pablo 
does an unbelievable job of of building that environment. And if you walk into that locker room, you're not going to have any guy that that isn't bought into what the team is trying to do and what we're trying to do to, to win games on a weekly basis. Perfect. Uh, we'll go on to Caleb. Caleb, your line's open. I don't have anything else. Thank you. Okay. Does anyone else have any other questions? Yeah, just a mini one if I could, Elliot. Yeah. yeah. Um, what do you think has been working for your team so far this season? <laughs> Look, I comes back to what we talked about in the last question, culture and environment. Um, you know, I think I think we have a group that is that is very bought into what Pablo and his staff are trying to do. Um, and, and we have a lot of really talented players that that believe in each other and, and believe in, you know, in the long term goals of the group and the club. And you're seeing those results week in and week out. And, and we, we you know, we expect to continue to see them. Thanks. DJ Joseph, do you guys have anything else? Yeah, I have something else really quick. Yeah. Uh, DJ mentioned uh, cap uh, and salary cap stuff. Um, that got me thinking about DPs because DPs are a little bit different with how they play with the rules. What is our current DP situation like with signing Saverino? Sure. And would, would, would there be space uh, for more DP signings later on this year in the summer? Yeah, so Saverino, Saverino is a DP. Um, he'll come in as a DP. Uh, he, um, Demir is is also a DP, um, and currently Sergio Cordova is a DP. But you know we have the flexibility to move uh, to move one or two of those guys out of those slots. And so yes, we could sign a DP if if it were the right decision for the club, you know, long term and. And that were the direction we want to go. We do have the flexibility to sign a DP in the summer. All right, last call. Perfect. I think that's all. Oh, DJ. Yeah, one last thing. Elliot, what would it mean for uh, MLS if Seattle won? Uh, It would be huge. Um, It's a... you know the Concacaf Champions League is is a really special tournament, and and it's a tournament that that the league is is having more and more success. It feels like um, each year, uh, but but nobody's broken through and won it yet. Um, you know we were we were fortunate enough to be the first club to to make it to the final in at least in the current iteration of the of the tournament, um, and fell just short. You know in the last hurdle. And it was a special time. It was a special tournament. It, it meant a lot to this club, and I, I can only imagine what it means to Seattle. Um, but the the league as a whole, I think it would be a real statement on, you know, the quality and and the level of play and and the consistency that is that is happening here and happening in this country. 